So you want to be a real estate investor, but where do you start? How do you know what information and sources to trust? That's where I come in. I'm Johnny Catani, and this is the Investor Relations Real Estate Podcast. Hey guys, real quick, before we start, go to investwithkatani.com and download my free ebook, Is Commercial Real Estate Recession Proof? Now to today's show. What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Investor Relations Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Catani, and I'm joined today by Cody Payne. Cody Payne is Senior Vice President at Colliers International in Fort Worth, Texas, specializes in selling office and industrial investment properties in the DFW market. Over the past 15 years, Cody has closed more than 600 commercial real estate transactions. Combined with Colliers International Platform and Cody's extensive knowledge and expertise of leasing management, market conditions, and business, the Texas office and industrial team provides their clients and investors the opportunity to maximize value while creating a competitive advantage that yields the best results. Cody, welcome to the show. All right, my man. Was, I like that intro. You, you uh, knew it off the top of your head. I like that. Took it straight from your LinkedIn. So, <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate it. it. Sounds very good. Straight from the source. Whoever wrote that did very well. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, awesome. I'm excited to talk today. Um, obviously, you know, two asset classes. Well, one that's just an absolute rocket ship right now and one that's on its way back in to conversation. But take us back to kind of the beginning here. Were you always in real estate and and uh, as a broker or what were you doing before and what led you to where you're at now? Uh, so no, before I uh, started real estate uh, 17 years ago, I actually sold cars at a car dealership, local car dealership out here um, when I got out of high school because I didn't want to go to college. And uh, then a guy actually hired me at a real estate firm that he had trouble keeping agents and, uh, you know, just worked my way there and for quite a while and then joined a, a national firm and created a team. And now we're just, you know, off and doing the best we can and trying to make a lot of changes and, you know, make a difference out here and uh, pick up as much as we can and, and show the world what we can do. Awesome. I love that. Did you, I didn't, I didn't graduate from college. Did you ever go back and go to college? No, no, no. So I did. So the guy that hired me, he made me uh, actually go to college. He said he would hire me, but he said I had to go to night school. And so I did that uh, until I made enough money where I knew he wouldn't fire me. And then I quit. <laughs> And he was like, all right, just go back later. And I said, okay. And I never finished. So I love it. Good. I'm glad yeah. we can re relate to that. Um, not that I, I have nothing wrong with people who go to college. <laughs> right. I, I know that's what we're supposed to do, but um, it's always nice when I meet uh, a fellow uh, entrepreneur or someone in the industry that, uh, that, that didn't also graduate because it seems like it's a lot of like former doctors and engineers and all this oh, stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Well, uh, love that. So now you've been um, with them for about 15 years, sounds like a um, ton of transactions. You've seen quite the uh, the roller coaster, I guess, uh, lately. So let's let's jump into it here. Um, you know, we kind of mentioned industrial is going crazy. Talk about uh, why that is and, and what you're seeing in that in that asset class. So, you know, and there's, there's several sectors to the industrial side, right? You've got the big box uh, industrial, which, you know, a lot of the heavy hitters and institution and REITs play in. And then you've got the smaller, uh, smaller scale side with the flex, what we call the flex industrial, 
where it's small bay incubator space, you know, some of these uh, complexes have, you know, we did one that had, you know, a hundred some odd tenants in it. And, you know, cause they're all occupying a thousand to two, 3000 square feet. And so you've got that sector as well that a lot of the private guys uh, have been hugely active in. Um, I like that sector actually the most just because of the leasing velocity and the rental growth that, that those see. Um, but those are doing uh, obviously very, very well, but two very different uh, investment sectors uh, on the industrial side. Interesting. So that that flex version you mentioned, um, the leasing, just shorter lease terms. So it's it's a little bit more turnover on the lease. Yeah. So typically, when you have some of these smaller guys, you know, occupying fifteen hundred, two thousand square feet, they're not doing ten year leases. And in many cases out here, you really don't want them to. And so, uh, especially with the rent growth uh, on those over the past several years, you know, we've got one project that we actually just sold and. Uh, the leases in there were, you know, eight dollars per square foot gross just a couple of years ago, and now they're doing twelve triple net, and so that just shows you that, yeah, that just shows you the the growth that 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 little area has specifically seen, and so um, I think keeping those guys on on shorter terms um, is key, but also a lot of those businesses aren't going to do tremendously long term anyways. Interesting. So, what are some of the factors that you're seeing that are driving? Um, this demand in both the big and small? Well, I, I think it's uh, a lot of things, um, especially out here in Dallas-Fort Worth. I mean, I'm not saying anything that anybody doesn't know, but there's obviously a lot of eyes out here from other states and, and investors and whatnot all over. And so uh, that is probably one of your number one driving factor. Um, and then you've got the stability and reliability uh, that that asset class is offering right now compared to others. Uh, and then also along with uh, some of your cross asset buyers that um, are also looking to get into that. And so uh, there's several projects on the industrial side that we've sold that uh, have gone to people that were prominently in the uh, either retail. Uh, also, another big one that we've done is uh, with some uh, multifamily guys that uh, have predominantly done multifamily over the years. They've uh, diversified into the flex and industrial sector. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah, definitely a, a diversification play there and kind of following that, A, the yield and, and B, that that demand that we're starting to see, obviously, supply chain things, the Amazon effect is everyone's kind of dubbing it now, um, so to speak, <laughs> just from just from wanting all that. And then Amazon built a bunch and, um, you know, doesn't even need it all. So the other, uh, you know, asset class is office, which we were talking offline um, kind of depends where it's at, determining the demand. So what are some of those factors that you're seeing that are kind of bringing it back into the conversation? So, you know, the office sector, um, I think, was hit pretty good from investor outlook and investor standpoint uh, when COVID hit, just kind of like hotels were. Uh, hotels, uh, you know, look like they, they bounced back pretty well. Uh, the office sector is really going to be area uh, and building specific, right? Um, a lot of this, uh, you know, mid-rise class B office space in suburban markets that are maybe not in a downtown sector, uh, those are still very much uh, highly sought after. Uh, we've done quite a few of those uh, since COVID. And, um, you know, we're actually in the process of listing uh, four more uh, for several other sellers right now. And so uh, we've already got good activity on, on several of those. And, and I think we'll get those taken care of. The ones that uh, I see have had a little bit of hit. Um, and that's what you and I were talking about is, is kind of the ones in the downtown 
markets or in, in some of the oversaturated markets where they offer pretty much the same kind of, you know, office product really closely together. And, uh, you know, when you have that and you don't have as much new tenant coming into that small area, then you're just battling over existing tenants. And whenever you do that, that's when you usually see rental rates, uh, you know, kind of get stagnant or stale or, or even, you know, certain concessions being offered uh, to where they weren't before. But like I said, the, the suburban class B market, uh, I'm a big fan of. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, good things happening in that sector. It's just, you know, got to be area specific and, and building type specific. Yeah, it makes perfect sense that kind of suburban play is, is starting to be huge, you know, uh, as people kind of leave the downtown area, head out there, being closer to work, you know, different factors like that. So what kind of determines whether or not you guys will take on a deal? Well, so, you know, obviously it, it has to make sense. You know, we've been in the business for a long time and, uh, you know, we specialize uh, in, in, you know, a specific type of product. We're not generalists, so you won't see us selling multifamily or retail or, or anything of that nature. And so, you know, we like to, I believe we know what we're doing. I've got a good group of guys here. And so if the deal makes sense and, uh, you know, we believe we can execute and, uh, have a happy seller and, and a you know happy buyer and everybody. It, it kind of makes sense, but you know we still get those as the market continues to shift like it is now with interest rates rising. You still have a lot of this, and you know this where you have people still thinking of values a year ago, but the interest rate environment has very much changed. And so, you know, if they're not willing to get on board with the change, then sometimes that's a conversation that we have to have. And so uh, it's kind of deal by deal specific, but as interest rates change and as the market changes and as leases expire and tenants either downsize, expand, or, you know, not renew for as long, all these are factors that we have to uh, put into the evaluations. And what, what does that process look like for you guys in terms of evaluating and, and talking to the sellers and, and potentially having to, you know, kind of bring them back down to earth and, and some of that stuff? Well, and, and, you know, one of the hardest things uh, early on, especially with COVID, was uh, if we had to bring something down in price is finding correct data, you know, uh, to do that. And so that's always the best thing to do whenever you're dealing with a, a seller or buyer or anybody and you're trying to, you know, show them what actual market value is, is to show actual stats and data and how you came to that conclusion. And so when COVID was early on and, you know, you had a great 2018 and 19 and people were like, oh, well, this was selling back then. It's like, well, it's maybe a little different now. Um, but like I said, I mean, there's still some office uh, that we've sold that, you know, has done very, very well and has sold for more than what it would have then. It just is very specific. But at the end of the day, whenever you're doing any evaluation, um, it's having the right backup data. Uh, because, you know, everybody's going to require that from lenders to buyers to appraisers, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And so kind of talk about some of those relationships. What, what, what makes a good relationship for you guys in terms of, you know, you're, you're obviously the broker, but, you know, on both sides, what, what are the keys to kind of maintaining good relationships with sellers and buyers and, and all of that? Well, and I'll tell you one thing that's happening now that uh, was big back in 2009 and 10 is knowing which lenders uh, to go to, right? Uh, and so we've actually picked up several deals that were listed by other firms recently because 
they, they didn't have issues finding buyers. They had issues getting a loan uh, and getting you know that process completed. And so uh, not every deal, not every lender is universal for a deal. Everybody knows that. And especially in the office sector, I mean, there's a lot of lenders that won't really look at office. And so uh, finding some of these local lenders that are hungry and eager. Um, we've got several credit unions out here that we've done a lot of business with. Uh, on the office sector. And so uh, having that um, in our pocket to assist with any buyer or seller, uh, whether they're you know buying it and financing it or refinancing it, um, all those are key. And you know we had a, a guy that was calling us to sell a deal because he couldn't get it financed. And we said, hey, instead of selling it for you know taking a slight loss, why don't you just refi it? And so we got him a lender that can do that. And so having those contacts, uh, you know, knowing the hot buttons um, and cold buttons for these lenders and appraisers is uh, obviously key. And I think that's a big thing that we bring to the table. And also we've got several guys. One of our guys actually just walked in, a leasing agent. Uh, that you know, a good leasing agent that can also talk about the market and, and how to improve a building and, uh, you know, is also key. Any, uh, you mentioned uh, in the uh, earlier how the, the leases for the kind of the smaller, what did you call them? The, um, the smaller industrial. So you're talking about the flex side flex. That's, that was the term. Are you seeing any changes in, in office as well, or anything different in, in terms of the lease, um, the leases? So, you know, the thing with, with, um, office space and especially when you deal with some of this larger office space is their leases are, I mean, very much staggered, right? I mean, you got some folks that, you can go anywhere from a year to fifth, you know, to ten years to twelve years. Um, you know, some can do fifteen, and so it can take time for some of those leases to expire. Which I think, you know, even if you do have a dip in the market on the office space, having that many leases in the marketplace helps because obviously they don't all expire at once. Um, is where the flex side. You know, we're working on a, a deal right now uh, that's a multi-tenant flex, and everybody's on a one-year lease. So you could technically worst come to worst, you could have in a, a completely vacant building, but it's no different than an apartment complex, right? None of those guys are signing five and 10 year leases on apartments. And a lot of those guys don't want them to. But on the office sector, because finish out is so high, commissions, TIs, everything, time on market is, is much different than any other sector. Uh, the longer lease, the better. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense, um, especially with the TI. And, and obviously, you know, depending on, on the tenant as well, uh, you know, you, you bring in like a bank, you know, that's very specific, right? And, and so that's going to be something that, you know, a, a gym can't, right? A lot of changes to bring yeah. a gym into that space later, so. And I feel the office sector, uh, they like a lot more stable, predictable cash flow. I mean, obviously everybody loves value add, but they really like that predictable factor. Uh, which is very, very key, especially with leases that, you know, you got a building with, you know, 15, 20 tenants in there and you got leases rolling over the next 10 years. You know, you don't have a lot of work every year. You've got it kind of spread out over time. Yeah, absolutely. And with kind of along that is, and with the increase in, um, in inflation, are you seeing, you know, different terms in these leases now to kind of combat that, that increase in inflation? Well, and yes, I have, uh, that's also, you know, going to be building an area specific, 
Uh, I've seen TIs are through the roof right now, uh, especially on the office sector. You know, office is, is very expensive uh, to operate and to finish out. And so the TIs are very high. I mean, we've seen, we've been seeing them, you know, 20 to $50 per square foot. And so anytime you have that, you got to factor that into your lease, how much you can get away with amortizing, how long of a lease you can get. And so what you've got these owners of office buildings battling is you're battling tenants that need this finish out. And some of these tenants don't want to do these longer leases. Landlords obviously want as long as possible so that they're not having to front load all this, you know, finish out costs up front. But uh, you see a lot of a lot more negotiating, I believe, going on right now. But there's a lot of good movement out here. Um, there's still a lot of leases being done. There's always leases expiring, even if you have tenants, um, you know, like they were 12 years ago, downsizing. I mean, if you're in a Class B building and you're able to pick up tenants coming down from, you know, Class A, uh, from you know 20,000 down to 10,000 square feet. I mean you're going to benefit. And so that's why I always say understanding the building and the tenant size in that specific area, because every market out here is different on the tenant size. And so you've got, you know, Las Colinas, which, you know, is, is averaging, you know, I think around 3,500 square feet on the tenant size. And then you've got, you know, Plano and some of these other areas that are much larger. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Right. So really a, a very, deal by deal uh, basis, even within a market um, as well, like you mentioned. So kind of break down, I guess, for the listeners, what what an office lease contract is broken up into and, and what it looks like in the terms and, and how they're typically structured. So, you know, if you take a, you know, just take like a 5,000 square foot tenant that comes in and gets, you know, 20, $25 a foot and finish out, what you'll typically see um, in many office spaces is where, I mean, obviously there's a lot of different types of leases. You've got gross, you got full service gross, modified, net, double net, triple net. Um, a lot of the ones out here are charging plus electric with a base year. And what that base year does is it's uh, essentially a way for an owner to recollect operating expenses uh, moving forward on that tenant's lease term. And so by setting it at the year that they come in, if those operating expenses go up year over year, they've got an ability to recollect a portion of that from that tenant, depending on how much space they occupy. Uh, but as far as everything else in the lease contract, you know, I think what you'll typically see is um, 25 cent to 50 cent per square foot annual rent bumps on those. Um, if you don't have any crazy TI, uh, some of those can be turnkey finish and not amortized into the lease. And then, you know, if you've got a little more uh, finish out than uh, what a landlord allowed for, you'll sometimes see that amortized throughout their term in their lease. And so, um, you know, that's obviously going to be very tenant uh, specific and landlord specific. Um, and actually, if you're a landlord, you can use that to your advantage. Um, you know, we're actually, we're selling a building right now and they did a deal where they did a $50 per square foot TI, which, you know, they never would have done. But the reason they did it was because it boosted the NOI of the building on the sale. So they're not going to make the money on the lease. They'll make the bill. They'll make the money on the sale. Uh, interesting. Okay. But the buyer will then inherit that Correct. lease and, and everything. So why so many different types of leases in office space as compared to 
you know, some of the other asset classes? I think it's just because of the complexity of office, right? You got to keep in mind, you know, when you compare it to say self-storage or multifamily, I mean, you know, a lot of uh, apartment complexes, I mean, they usually have one to three, maybe four different floor plans, right? And it's the exact same throughout. You don't have the exact same floor plan um, throughout an office building for each office tenant. Every, that's the biggest thing. It's because every office tenant is unique to itself, right? Like our space here is open. We have an open concept. All the guys are, uh, you know, walking around, we can see and hear each other. And then you go to our Dallas office and they've got a little bit of open, more closed off offices. And then you've got some that are all individual offices. And so it's, it's business specific and that's why it's expensive. Absolutely. Yeah. makes perfect sense. And so are you guys in a, a downtown location? So we're, um, our Dallas office is, um, our Fort Worth office is just south of downtown, but literally right across the you know, freeway. And then do you guys have a portfolio? Do you take on any of these deals yourselves? So um, I have, uh, I've invested in office um, over the years. Um, I used to actually lease office buildings for a long time. And so that's why I did that. Um, I've also invested in uh, self-storage facilities as well. I'm a big fan of that. I actually, I built a facility uh, west of um, Fort Worth and um, had a lot of success with that and actually recently sold it. And we're actually, me and the guys are looking at pulling some money together to do a flex business park as well at some point this year. Awesome. Love that. Yeah. You're, you're right in the heart of it. I'm a huge uh, cell storage guy. I'm, I'm in Salt Lake developing one out here as well. So it's a, it's a nice nice asset class and kind of skates under the radar compared to these other big, sexy ones. I, I love the storage side. Um, you know, I don't know if you look much into it. We've got a guy here that does uh, self storage and, you know, there's a lot of unique opportunities in that sector. Um, also due to financing because of being able to get like an SBA loan on it. So you can get into some of those with substantial amount, less down payment. Uh, than if you were, you know, buying an office or industrial building. Um, but also the rental growth on the storage side is, is huge. Um, and, you know, out here, I mean, it's just storage facilities being built left and right and everywhere else. And that's why cities have so much uh, restrictions and constraint on these guys, because if they didn't, you'd have a storage facility every 10 feet out here. <laughs> you'd be at a negative square foot per, per person. Just so much, just over oversaturated. I love it. Well, appreciate all the insight and all of this. Um, we'll kind of wind it down here as we come up against time. Um, but I've got five questions I ask all of my guests. Uh, it's okay. the final five. So first question, uh, what's the best advice you've gotten from a mentor? Best advice I've got from a mentor is uh, use your personality and be yourself to get business. Don't be someone else. Don't be, don't be what corporate wants, be yourself. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Uh, what is it? It's very hard about? to do that in a corporate world too, in, in some aspects, but um, you know, people like the, the, and you know how, like sometimes even when you're buying a car, you know, if you run into one uh, car salesman, that's genuine, you're like, man, you know, these car salesmen get bad raps from all these other guys. But uh, I think being yourself will also allow you to have a lot more fun. Couldn't agree more. I love it. Uh, what is it about your career that makes you feel like you're fulfilling your why? You know, um, I work with a lot of really good guys here 
uh, on our team and uh, they're very supportive and uh, we have a lot of fun together. And so uh, I think uh, what we do for each other um, and how we all have a lot of the same goals to uh, get to a certain point in our careers and to do certain things, uh, I think has been, you know, the biggest key to a lot of that. That's great. I like that. Um, favorite non-real estate or investment related book? Uh, Grant Cardone's 10X. Nice. I started my year with that book. So, so it's such a motivating book. I mean, basically uh, to sum it down, it's anything you're doing in your life times it by 10. Yep. Or any goal you set for yourself, anything. I love it. Yeah. Um, which is true, right? They say, you know, for me, it was, it's mostly capital raising and they say, if you can raise a million dollars and you can raise $10 million, you know, so, um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? I'd like to fly because I hate flying. Really? Yeah. What is it like the turbulence or confined space? Just being up there, not in control, you know, hoping the guy up front did finish school. <laughs> you know i had a pilot um on he's well he's a he's a business coach but but he said he's like yeah pilots make mistakes sometimes and i'm like please don't tell me that <laughs> they're supposed to be perfect absolutely uh cool last one what's the best way for people to get a hold of you and uh, reach out if they want to learn more best way to get a hold of us is uh texasofficeinvestments.com i'm also very active on linkedin uh that keeps me up at night and so, uh, you know, find Cody Payne on there and, and we'll chat and have a good time and uh, talk about real estate, cars, whatever it is. I love it. Cody, thanks so much for uh, all of your time and insight. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Listen, guys, I know it's cliche, but please don't forget to like, subscribe. Please leave a review. Would love to know what you guys think of the episodes. And while you're here still listening, don't forget to go to investwithkatani.com and download my free ebook, Is Commercial Real Estate Recession Proof? Thanks so much.